Hello everyone and thank you so much as always for clicking on this podcast and this particular episode of Joe Blogs about films. Whether you're a first time listener or a long time listener all the same, I really appreciate your support and thank you so much for clicking on this episode. I did say that after The Walking Dead finished, not to worry that there would be more Walking Dead content coming your way on the podcast. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about in this episode because Dead City has just finished its run for season one. And it's been, from what I've seen anyways, received really, really well. I mean, at the weekend just gone, we've had Comic-Con, or still be going on, I'm not sure. But season two was announced. And again, it was a very busy weekend for The Walking Dead with its announcements. You know, this seems to be coming left, right and centre, obviously, at Comic-Con. And I will cover what I can do about the spin-offs over the course of this episode, in particular maybe towards the end of the episode I'll go over and discuss slightly what's due and what my thoughts are on that. But it is just great to see, after a good few years now of The Walking Dead just being hit with negative review after negative review from critics and whoever out there has got a Twitter account, that finally some nice words are being said about it, obviously in particular Dead City and The Walking Dead world. Because let's face it, like, did anyone actually want... Any more spin-offs from the main show? I mean, there's going to be people saying yes, of course, but I personally was just waiting. All I've been waiting for was just the main show to end so that then we could find what the hell happens to Rick Grimes, etc. Because that's been going on for so long. And again, we'll be able to talk about that more so with the spin-off news, this and that. But I just wasn't overly convinced at all about these spin-offs when they were announced on, on the initial news of them. And I've gone on record as well by saying that they definitely should have waited for the main show to end, at least, before announcing the spin-offs, because it just took away the tension. You need to add a little bit more tension towards the latter end of the series, the main show, to see who's going to make it out alive. But it was ruined when they did announce these spin-offs. But again, that's uh, that's just another story for another day. But Dead City, in spite of all of this, in spite of all me being you know concerned about it, or fans out there that think they're just flogging their dead horse, this and that... It has been really fun, and it's I think it's AMC Plus's highest watched, you know, viewed or whatever show now. So obviously they were going to make a season two. And again, I just straight up positive about this series. I I thought the acting in particular was so 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 much better than some of the stuff that we had towards the end of The Walking Dead. Like Lauren Cohen and Jeffrey Dean Morgan are both extremely fantastic, and it's just great having so much time focused on two of the better performers that The Walking Dead has had, because that was a problem towards the end of The Walking Dead. I felt like we had all these great actors and these characters that we loved from the course of the, the actual show's runoff, however long they've been in it. But it was padded out with just kind of just unnecessary drama and just really, just did, I didn't get on with a lot of some of the storylines or even necessarily some of the actual performers that were in there. Not that I'm saying that I'm any better this and that, it's just that I was I found myself like so disengaged with The Walking Dead towards towards the end. They say season ten in particular, season eleven. I've again positive words to say about it, but when you kind of compare these two, it's such far difference uh, of quality there. It's just great that Dead City allows us the necessary time with each of these characters to really understand with you know their position that they're in and and why Maggie like is after Negan or even allowing him to be a part of the rescue mission for her son. Like we get all the answers. Uh, to a lot of questions regarding that. But we also get to see how much bigger the world actually is. Of course, not all answers are are here in the series because we're going to get season two. But the elements of seeing the bigger world, that was something that I was extremely interested to see. You know, whether this new backdrop of Manhattan would break the mould of that kind of stale feeling of waiting for another set of bad guys to turn up to Hilltop or Alexandria, etc., and start being bad guys, you know what I mean? Like, And to be fair, like, credit to this show, it does break that mould um, and familiar feel 
of The Walking Dead. Now, I'm not saying that everything is absolutely positive, you know, like it's not all 10 out of 10 material. There are issues in there for sure, but I'd be lying, like, as I've kind of just touched upon, if I said that I preferred season 10 and 11 of The Walking Dead over Dead City. But that's what we're going to be going over anyways in this podcast. So it's a very good show, is Dead City. Uh, one that I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I kind of persevered because I was unsure after episode one, but I'm really glad that I persevered with it. And yeah, just a, just a pretty good fun ride. So we're going to go over all of that, obviously with spoilers as well. I'm not going to break down every episode or anything, but you know it will be spoiler filled. And of course, you can catch this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, RSS.com, anywhere and everywhere that you can get a podcast from. Jump onto the socials as well. Give us a like and follow on Instagram and Facebook by searching Joe Blogs About Films. And as to if you could very kindly leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever it is that you're listening to this from, that would be awesome. So back to Dead City. Maggie and Negan travel into a post-apocalyptic Manhattan long ago cut off from the mainland. The city is filled with the dead and of those who have made New York City their own world. Having Manhattan as this playground for our heroes to be running around in, to be honest, I think was a genius idea. As I touched upon earlier, it certainly opened up the larger world that we fans haven't really seen before within The Walking Dead. And if, yeah, okay, we see bits and bobs in Fear the Walking Dead of, the, of that wider world. But this for me was such a jump, you know? I thought that the sets and the locations and the digital effects to make Manhattan look so desolate and run down, you know, with the vines and nature taking over again, that was really sharp and looked fantastic. Like the team did a brilliant job with making it look and seem believable. There's some really interesting locations within the buildings as well, you know, like surrounding the villain who is the Croat. Um, he has like a wrestling ring that he throws people into, which is pretty cool to be honest. But it's it's what the remaining people have done to make a home that I always find again too like interesting, intriguing, and like kind of like does that fit that character, you know? And and obviously a lot of those boxes are ticked in, the, in this show. You know, people have been able to find spaces in the deadliest areas. You know, Manhattan, as we learn was one of the first to be cut off from the rest of the world when the outbreak began. So a lot of the dead are going to be in here with like the bridges and tunnels that have been blocked off or taken down. And with huge skyscrapers and endless landmarks, there is a lot of places that people could use and set up as their home. The Croat himself, who we'll talk more about, I think he resides in the Madison Square Garden uh, with his henchmen, you know, patrolling the area. But the person he answers to as well within the show, which is a rather scary lady in black, has made one of the theatres her home. And honestly, I thought that was such a great touch. And you do sit back and think, oh yeah, well, of, of course someone probably would do that. They would live there. And it fits this character perfectly, this lady in black. I don't actually know what her actual character name is. I, I don't think they give her the name, but yeah, it works really well with her. We'll talk both about her and the crow over this episode. But overall... I think it was pretty excellent what the team have done with this side of the world, with creating Manhattan, with creating like a world within a world, if that makes sense. Now, before I jump to talking about um, the leads of the show, I want to quickly mention the opening theme because I don't want to forget talking about this because it's it's pretty banging. Like, it's pretty great. Like, it's got that Walking Dead feel to it, more synth, and it kind of like plays in and out of your hearing whilst also this great animation unfolds showing the Dead City itself. Like, I thought that was tip-top, and I'm hoping that the rest of the spin-offs follow suit with that just a really good opening theme and opening opening montage or whatever. Anyways, obviously, this show reunites Maggie and Negan. Part of me does feel like we've only just seen them, so it's hard to take this whole reuniting side of the story and the feelings and emotions that come through because we've not long seen this in the last season of the main show, you know, but I did enjoy seeing these two tackle 
you know, just tackling each other or basically avoiding death at the hands of one another. Like the premise here is that Herschel has obviously been taken by the Croat and Maggie is in pursuit to retrieve him. And that's where Negan comes into play. From some of the promos that we've seen, I thought the Croat was going to be a former saviour that had been burnt by Negan just from giving the side of his face that looked a little bit mangled. I was pretty close, yes, that he used to be a saviour, like quite high, you know, to be exact, in, within the saviour world. But Negan didn't burn his face, he just tried to shoot him and missed somehow, blowing off his ear in the process. So all the way, you're like, that's why Maggie okay searched Negan out and gained his help as much as she probably doesn't want to. But what the show does really well with the two leads is that it plays on your expectations and then throws it back in your face. And there's some great shifts that occur within the storytelling, which leave you in like a conundrum of, who who do I even trust here? Like, And I'm not just talking about Negan and Maggie, this can be said for the crowd himself. Now, Lauren Cohen was the biggest breath of fresh air I felt when she returned to The Walking Dead, and she carries that on brilliantly. You know, this run that she's got with Maggie in these six episodes is really, really strong. Not everything worked for me with the character. For example, I wasn't like overly fussed on this action hero she's become within The Walking Dead world. There's a sequence where she's in a bar in one of the episodes, I think it's episode one, and she starts like kicking some serious ass. Like, yeah, like it's cool to watch, but I was like, is it am I watching the what is this Walking Dead? Like, is this link? What's this? So it did feel a little bit out of place but I could slightly be nitpicking there and I'm sure there were people out there that did really enjoy that but me personally, it felt this is what I mean about episode one that's the one I probably struggled the most with because I just, there's something off about it I don't know, but following that, I'm all for it but there was just some times I thought, hmm bit too Lara Croft uh, the main thing that I took away as usual with Cohen is just the range that she has like I know we've seen a lot of excellence from Cohen in the main show but these six episodes are all about her and Negan, and I feel that we really got to focus on a lot of different emotions for a character in these six episodes, or rather similar emotions, which is mainly that feeling of loss. This kind of brings in the positives and negatives for me with this. As like I said at the start, not everything worked for me personally, however I did enjoy where we find Maggie at the start, and her scouting the city from afar, only to then have to defend herself from a walker where she ends up bashing in the head and brains and all that, just like Negan did with Glenn, and she lets out this this almighty scream, like the anger that comes from loss is right there, following Herschel's kidnapping, really really strong, and stuff like that I really liked. However, it did at times just feel just a little bit repetitive throughout the series of her, of Maggie's feelings towards Negan. I get that there's never going to be a straight-up friendship between the two. Like, how, how on earth could, how, how possibly could there be? But we've seen her, like, reintroduction to the main show. And since Negan has been allowed to live freely, or so to speak anyways, following that, the conflict between the two of them in The Walking Dead. And, like, yes, it's not a severe this friction between the two in Dead City at the start of what it was in season 11, you know, where they were straight up trying to kill each other, you know, it's either like one's going to die or, you know what I mean? Like someone's got to go between these two. It's just, I found that within Dead City at times, the conversations just felt were a little bit tedious given that we've had so many conversations between the two about everything that's already happened. But then on the flip side of this, I do see where the writers and creative team were coming from. And there's been, there's been a time jump at the end of the day. I don't exactly know what the time jump is from the end of season 11 to now. But if both had been leading their separate lives, then then fair enough. You know, I guess there will have been, they will have had these similar conversations, you know, because they'll have been apart for so long, getting back together. It's, it's kind of going to bring up and stir up these emotions, I guess. But for the viewer and for fans who followed the main show, We've only just, we've only just seen them have that chat. 
you know, in the show's finale, where she pretty much like accepts Negan's apology but can never forgive him. So for me, that felt like a pretty good like ending to wrap up their story. And I and and I don't want to again get bogged down with the whole they should have left it because it's pointless. We're here now. We've got a show, and that's 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 it. So hey ho, you know what what can what do I know at the end of the day? I just felt at times that we were just treading on familiar ground, and I felt it felt I just felt a little bit disengaged with it. But that being said, the more the show went on, as I keep coming back to the more I was really into it because not, not all the conversations were like that like there was some real strong moments between Negan and um, and Maggie I in particular really liked the one way he was kind of opening up and talking about the crow yeah we've seen that that vulnerability from Negan and whatnot especially when he kind of just lays it all out on the table for Maggie in season 11 but it was just kind of refreshing just to see this these two people that for a moment for just a second Everything and everything's been put to one side. Let's forget, let's forget what. Let's try and forget, I should say, about what's happened to Glenn. Two people just talking about a common threat. You know what I mean? Like it's rare that we got to see that within The Walking Dead. Um, like the side of Negan and Maggie's relationship that I did enjoy the most is where the characters were put in, like I say, these vulnerable situations or circumstances that they had not seen or felt before. Like the prime example I would say for this was Negan's incredible moment where he brings out that Negan performance of old, theatrical and grisly, you know, killing and parading one of the Crowad's men in front of their group just to show what kind of person he is. The performance alone from Jeffrey D. Morgan here. Jesus Christ, the standout. Like, a real, real highlight for the entire show for me. But it was more so on the back of that seeing Maggie watch him do that from afar. And it's a moment that really takes Maggie back because she's been on the receiving end of one of those Negan performances, making her a widow, obviously, in the process. And now she's technically on his sides and he's seeing what it's like to be protected by him, you know? There's, too, obviously, the reaction of Negan turning around and realising she's just seen what he's done and it's like, damn... Both of these characters have really had an emotional hit there and understanding one another, even if they don't want that feeling. Like Negan will never forget his past, and I'll probably mention that a few times in this podcast, but he's trying to move forward, whereas Maggie, again, is like she can never forgive her past until he's trying to move forward, but how can she possibly do that when it seems that these two paths always come back together again? Her and Negan always end up on that same path. I really liked that. Like I, I genuinely did like this whole flipping it and seeing... Just how, like, because there's no real words. Like, Maggie doesn't straight up come out and go, oh, oh well, that's I've, I've never experienced that before. Like, being protected. You know what I mean? Like, I've never seen it from your side or being on your team, I should say. It's just her reactive face. You know what I mean? It says it all. And, again, real strong performance from Lauren Cohen there. One of the strongest moments of the entire series. The whole Negan parading, doing what he does best, just being that classic Negan. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, if, if people aren't going to watch Dead City, I think that I'm definitely going to end up, like, just, just showing that scene to people to be like, this is... I mean, that's as close as to like season seven, season six, end, end of six, start of seven, Negan, that you're going to probably get because it was really, really magnificent from uh, from Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And just while we're obviously on the topic of uh, of Negan, I, I guess it'd be a, a good time to talk about the, the, the main man himself, JDM, because he really excels here, does Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Like, I do like the attitude and awareness that Negan has in the series, which is a case of like, I did bad things, but I'm trying to be better and do right by the people that I care about. As a, as a, I've just been kind of alluding to before, you know, he's always had that kind of new view, I would say. Like, since being imprisoned and then free Alexandria, he certainly knows the errors of his ways, but he can't keep dragging himself back because of them. Like, the old Negan is certainly still in there. We see that. He's, st- he's certainly still in there. And as previously discussed, like, we see it in such its purest form that I cannot stress just how delightful it actually was in some kind of, like, sick and twisted way it was to see him fully back. Just classic Negan in that moment. But he's not lost 
that anti-hero path that he started once he was allowed to live freely within Alexandria or, or outside of it, you know, like once he left the community, starting up his new life. So, you know, it, there's so many more layers to Negan than what we've ever had, really. And I, and I do think that the, the writing team and the creating team of Dead City have took the best parts of Negan and, and, and moved him on nicely. I, I think I've read as well that, like, JDM was saying that, Jeffrey Morgan was saying that one of the things he was kind of not didn't disagree with but the fact that Negan would get remarried was like a questionable creative choice so it seems that maybe the writers of Dead City just thought yes as well with that because they've removed her from from the conversation altogether really from the picture altogether she is still you know she is still out there was it Mary her name was I can't remember her name sadly but his wife is still out there with obviously their kids but nowhere to be seen and and, and part of that does come in to Negan's story as to why you know he's been hunted by characters from New Babylon which will come to this and that but yeah I, I, I do like what they took from from the best parts of Negan once Angela Kang came into like you know the, the Kang era we should say you know I, th- I thought that, that what Angela Kang did to revitalise his character and make him like I said 3D was perfect and Dead City has just moved along nicely and again he's still got that paternal quality as well you know he had a great relationship with Judith and such it was one that I, I felt that the writers did well to kind of take what we was going to do with Carl, put it to Judith. But again, they've taken like the, the, the key elements of that um, and sprinkled it in, in this show as well by introducing the character Ginny. And Ginny is essentially like a mute, you know. She's lost her father recently, which is why Negan is looking out for her. But this again brings in that dynamic that we've seen before. And, you know, with Negan being a former PE teacher, that really comes out. That like Again, that charm, like so to speak, or whatever. Like he's able to take whoever under his wing and do best to protect them. But as we discover, Negan is the one who actually killed her father following an attack on Negan's wife so many months back. Um, he does care for Ginny, don't get me wrong. Like we see... So much emotion again from Negan in this, you know, when he's telling her to go, this, that, and the other. He doesn't want to be doing that, but he has to protect her. And so we see within these flashbacks, you know, all of this. There's, there's, there is definite guilt, you know, there is a definite guilt there from Negan. Something that always seems to follow him wherever he goes. He's pretty good at carrying that, you know. Whoever he meets, there's something he's done to them, or this and that. So. I just, I did like that Ginny was such an important factor for Negan helping Maggie. That as long as Ginny's safe, I'll do what I can for Maggie. And that's really driven home throughout and right to Negan being taken by the crowd at the end. After everything and everything that they've been through, Negan and Maggie, this and that, with who they met along the way, the journey that's taken to get there, he was willing still to give everything up to, to and go with the crowd for Maggie to get Herschel back just as long as Ginny was kept safe. I felt like this was just another nice little step in, the, in that direction. Like I say he's always, it's always been there. Like I said, that paternal figure, that that one that wants to, yeah, look after someone and take care of them, um, as he did with his wife. Obviously, we've seen all along that he's that that's who he is deep down. That's the kind of guy that he is. It's just that the world threw it all back at him in a way, which turned him into this menacing figure. Uh, but now, like, still menacing. Not so much bad, <laughs> but yeah, Negan's past is always going to come back to haunt him. Not only is Maggie back, but also this big bad that is the Croad who I mentioned used to be a savior. And this was again, I thought I keep praising the writing team for this, but I, I like this as well because, as I say, I, I kind of had the impression it was going to go down that route with it. Um, but it was just really great to stir up uh, emotions for Negan and probably the ones that he'd forgotten about. I think, I think. He even says, you know, when the closer he was getting to the to the Croad when they're in Manhattan, the more the past was stirred up or worse to that effect anyways. Sure, like Negan was a, was bad when he needed to be, but the Croad just seemed to be a little bit more unhinged um, to the point, you know, of disobeying an order by Negan and killing a girl during interrogation, which led to then Negan trying 
to uh, to put him down all the way through this series. You're under the impression that the crowd is wanting revenge or something like that from Negan, but it's then flipped in its head when we realise it's just a case that the crowd wants Negan to be part of this new world in Manhattan. I really like that flip. I, I guess that there's still some form of tension. I wouldn't be surprised if the crowd then decides in season two that he is what he's going to put Negan down, but I think there's an admiration still from the Croats of Negan. Like Negan's never changed in the Croats mind of what he is or who he is, I should say, that that leader of the Saviors. Grancy knows the stories of what's happened to Negan since he left the Saviors, since the crowd left the Saviors, but I still think that in terms of what the crowd probably thinks that 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 Negan is still in there. Well, he is still in there. It's just that it's not... It, there's so much time has passed. It's, it's definitely not that same Negan that, that used to work and, and run, you know, the Croat. And the Croat is played by Zeliko Ivanek. And again, apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. And there is such an uneasiness surrounding him. You know, he can be as eccentric and maleficent as Negan can or, as, or has ever been. But there's too this, like childlike quality of obedience as well especially any scenes that involves him and the the lady in black or whoever she is in the theater um you know he may be the fear that everyone avoids in manhattan or that doesn't want to run into and knows of what he's capable of but he still answers to someone else which then kind of gives you like well how threatening how terrifying is this lady you know i mean how if, if he's one thing and he's giving off scary vibes then this lady too she must be such a uh, yeah such a big big presence as well and I uh, I really enjoyed the flashback which brought Stephen Ogg, Simon from The Walking Dead, back into Dead City. You know, just seeing what the crowd had done in this interrogation was just a step too far for Negan and again, missed the chance to take him out. But the crowd understands why Negan did what he did. And like I said, this shift just played on our expectations. I thought it was grand, only just to like, you know, you, you're all the way through, you thinking one thing and pull the wool from your eyes. You're like, oh, okay, you've watched too much Walking Dead then <laughs> to really know what's going on here. And I really loved that. Like the sequence where he and Negan are talking in the back of the ambulance and the Croats reminiscing about how Negan let him kill someone from the from Oceanside or the river people, or however he puts it, by letting the Croat use Lucille as well was quite haunting, quite a haunting tale. Um, and again, describe the description from the crowd of the death and the scene all while Negan just sits there and listens. I just thought it like perfectly emphasises the journey that Negan's been on. I'm very interested to see what occurs between these two and where we've left, you know, especially with Negan now almost in control by the lady in black, you know, wanting his services, this and that for their city. Um, otherwise she'll go back and get more pieces of Herschel. I, I, uh, I'm really excited. I enjoyed all of that aspect of it and uh, I thought they handled it very well. It didn't feel like just you, you, another set of run-of-the-mill bad guys that we always see in The Walking Dead. So again, pretty, pretty good stuff there. Um, but like, yeah, the twists and turns that the show has, there's certainly something as we discover that Herschel was, yeah, taken by the crowd as a move for Maggie um, to then find Negan and bring bring Negan to the Croat, bring them to bring him to Manhattan, something that she obviously does, which really shows just what she's prepared to do. In a way, not only is this her getting her son back, but she might actually be able to live freely knowing that Negan isn't. There's a lot of complications there for her within the series, for Maggie within the series as a whole, and Herschel himself has picked up that the whole Negan thing is now becoming like an obsession. Granted, Herschel being taken will bring up those feelings that she carries you know, within within Maggie, right to the forefront, as I say. But there's always going to be that question of, like, for how long can you let that drive you to the point where it's now ruining your other relationships? And I will be interested because there was some really, really strong conversation between Maggie and Herschel at the end of the series in that final episode, um, which, again, could put us onto a good trajectory moving forward because it'd be kind of cool to see if, like, if Herschel's going to be a bigger player in season two, you know, the 
for me, the curiosity there is going to be between he and Negan because they've had history as well. The whole gunpoint incident when Little Herschel almost took him down in season 11. Interesting if they follow up on that or anything. What if there's a team up between, you know, Maggie and, and Herschel to get, you know, to get Negan out of, of Manhattan. It, there's a lot of factors that, that things could play out, but I did feel that, like I said, the, the, the performances, say, particularly from Lauren Cohen, she went through all the all the emotions in there, and like even with the, the other characters that we meet, there's there's always going to be that tension and and not lack of trust, I should say, between any person that we meet, and like and vice versa for them meeting Negan and Maggie. It's just that I felt there was so much more explored. There was parts within the relationship of Negan and Maggie that I I really did enjoy the the new kind of explorations and such, but still at the same time it did slightly retread old ground. But hey. It is just great seeing those two together because those two together were one of the best things about season 11. Uh, very, very fantastic stuff, those two. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm all for seeing more of it. Now, one last character that I've yet to mention uh, that I haven't already is that of Pearly Armstrong, played by Geis Charles. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing that again. We spoke about the whole world building, or at least expanding the Walking Dead universe. And his character does just that. You know, he's essentially a ranger or sheriff or something that's from New Babylon. Now, we don't see much of New Babylon, but we know how they work. They, too, are bringing somewhat normal life back with having people arrested, even hangings in some situations. The way they dress all black with, with a black cowboy hats. just They have a real strong presence when they enter the screen, and I enjoyed the journey of Armstrong's character, you know, wanting Negan, hunting Negan for the crimes he's committed off screen to then teaming up and naturally understanding why Negan is the way he is or did the things that he did. He's not just a monster, but certainly a complex one. And New Babylon are set up to be a bigger player in season two for sure as they have what seems to be a plan or they want to know more details, the leader anyways, that is, about the methane that the Crowad has managed to cook up within Manhattan. I really like this kind of subplot as well because it's it's like it's not all the way it's mentioned obviously that they do have methane and they're able and they're able to make fuel due to the fact that the Crowad, you know, has been using decomposing walkers in the tunnels. I just thought it was really, really clever angle. Um and again it would be one that that, that people would be fighting for. So I'm I'm pretty sure that will all come to play in season two, but I thought it was really cool not to really focus too heavily on the fact this methane thing was going on. It is obviously part of there, and it's it's within the plot, you know, like when Maggie and everyone are going through the tunnels and they're kind of struggling from like dizziness, this and that, from breathing it all in and everything. But it's definitely something that I feel will be a huge, huge plot in season two. But yeah, overall, I, I mean, I thought this was a really great season. I'm looking forward to seeing just what's going to happen next, to say, with all these characters. There's so many that are still left here for us to move forward with in season two. They've got a, a nice, small, knit group that I think that will end up... Um, it'll end up just getting better and better, if I'm being honest. I think that there are a few things here and there weren't the best within the show, obviously. There was that repetitiveness that I mentioned. But also, there's some really, really fantastically strong moments in this. Um, I was disappointed with the lack of screen time, by the way, that that Walker King has, or whatever it was called, that strange-looking walker, which other walkers were attached in and on it. Uh, it looked great, looked really cool. Lasted seconds, though, so... I, I'm always, though, like, I love seeing what they do with Walkers in The Walking Dead, and this was just one of those moments. That's fine. I look forward to seeing what they do in the next one, you know what I mean? But I felt like I said that everyone did a pretty bang-up job in this. It's definitely surprised me how uh, how much I did actually enjoy Dead City. You know, mainly the strengths do come from its leads. The performances were absolutely excellent at times to remind you of how good The Walking Dead used to be. And again, just looking forward to season two. And I'm also looking forward to the uh, the new stuff as well, which we'll come to. But I think out of 10, I'll, I'll probably give Dead City like a 7.5. 
you could maybe push me to an eight, but yeah, I have no real complaints with it, which is which is lovely, really, really lovely. But yeah, the other spin-offs that have been announced, obviously, we saw the first full trailer for the Daryl Dixon TV show, which sees him in France. There's certain things again in there that I've seen straight away, which I'm like, okay, so we've got a young boy that needs taking from A to B because they're going to restart the world. I mean, that seems like a TV show that came out earlier this year, but okay. But there was also some things in there again, mainly the backdrop and the setting, you know, being in France, seeing the Eiffel Tower all destructed, seeing walkers around Paris is going to be interesting enough and seeing nuns with crossbows and such. Like that all seems absolutely great. But I'll just see how, how it is when it comes. I think, it again, it, I don't know what I was expecting from these spin-offs, but they're going down a certain route anyways. But it looks fun. looks like it should be fun. I guess the other thing I will mention will be the Rick Grimes TV show, which finally got its title announced, which is The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live. Not overly convinced on the title. I get what they're going for with the whole where the ones who live this and that, that we got that great montage at the end of season 11. I don't know. I, I was hoping for, I, I didn't even know what I was hoping for. The title's one thing. It's whether the show's decent enough. That's what, we, that's what we're hoping for. Just to see new footage again from the trailer, from the teaser that is of Andrew Lincoln back as Rick and even Denai Garaya as, as Michonne. Absolutely fantastic. I just really can't wait to see both of them kicking ass again as Rick and Michonne. But let's be honest, I just want to know what's going on with the CRM and I just want to know what's going on with Rick Grimes. That's all that matters. Anyways, I've waffled on plenty long enough about Dead City, but I, of course, would love to know what you thought about it if you've checked it out yet. I have seen, as I say, so much praise for it. It's really lovely to see. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in season two. I'm really, really interested to see these rest of the spin-offs. If they're all going to connect as well, who knows? We shall see. But thank you so much, as always, for clicking on this podcast. It is so, so appreciated. Get in touch on the socials, all that jazz. One last thank you again. Until the next episode, take care.